today I sat down with my friend Chelsea. Uh, I met Chelsea through the art scene in Scranton. She is a musician, very talented, uh, in a few different bands, many of which I've enjoyed over the years. And uh, her and her fiancé, Ed, are amazing people. Uh, They're the kind of people you enjoy running into. And if you, if their name gets brought up for a project they're working on, a few of those are mentioned in the podcast, the general consensus always seems to be they're just really nice people. Maybe today you'll see exactly why. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm here with my friend Chelsea. I've known Chelsea a few years now from, what, the art scene? Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. I, uh, I'm, my name is Chelsea. I, um, am a licensed social worker working in private practice right now, and I like to play music. What do you play? Uh, I primarily play piano, but I play guitar, um, and some bass, but I'm not, you know, I do that for fun. Right. Well, and you're in a few bands, right? Yeah, I'm in a few bands. What, do you, what are they a called? Few. Um, so I've been in this band called A Fire With Friends for like a, th- a third of my life, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then I play in a band called Great Wave. Okay. Great Wave. That's awesome though. Good for you. Uh-huh. Um, what... Do you have any, like, mental health struggles or anything that you've gone through in your life that you want to share? Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. You know, it's kind of funny, like, growing up, like, definitely depression um, and what I would label as dysthymia of just depression forever. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was older that I noticed that because I was always like, well, I don't have anxiety. I know I don't have anxiety. I'm just fucking depressed. I don't have anxiety. And it wasn't until I got older that I was like, oh, hold on a second. Like replaying this moment of how I sucked last night at this show over and over in my head, like that's not necessarily depression. That's more anxiety. Yeah. And then that kind of like opened up a whole new world where I was like, oh yeah, I'm fucking anxious too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they go so close hand in hand. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So when were you, like, how old were you when you kind of figured out that you had some of this stuff? Well, so, <laughs> I know I mentioned to you, so my mom died when I was really young. I just turned five when she died. That's so, really yeah, and my dad was older, mm-hmm. so, like, my dad was, I was figuring this out on the drive over, my dad was, like, 46 oh. when he had me. Wow. So yeah. he was already, like, 50 or 51 right. with now a five-year-old. Um... So he, like, got me into therapy very young. Yeah, well, that was good, young. though. Was yeah, good so that. that was, it was good. It was, it was, it was good. Um, and then ever since then, I kind of just had, had it, yeah. you know, kind of yeah. just always had it. I think the attachment of losing your mom. I mean, 900%. I mean, yeah. 900%. Because my mom left when we were young, and uh, I was six. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, like, yeah. I have that bad. You ever read Motherless Daughters? Yeah. Have you I know I haven't. You should 
Okay. Okay, so this is like moving to yeah. me because I don't know anybody else who has yeah, I know when mom you just said that. Yeah, yeah, issues. when you just said that, I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, yours is terrible Yeah, but losing your mom in general, yeah, I mean, your nah. attachment is going to be and I would have to assume like for me at least, but that time before she died, she was sick and in the, you know, she had cancer. So mm -hmm. she was just in, I just remember her in the hospital bed and like, that's not, you know, she like had love for me and shit. Right. Like yeah. it's still, there was that unsecure attachment. Yeah. There is that Absolutely. unsecure attachment. You've seen your mom that way and not for having sure. your needs being met. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. But yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. Fun. I mean, I don't, I don't like to talk about it a lot out of like respect for her. And she's, you know, come around and, but yeah, I think that it's had an effect on every relationship I've ever had. For sure. 100%. But I don't even think I realized it until, because like there was a time where like she did come back around and then I was young, so young that it was like, oh, she never left. And then one day I kind of uh -huh. like woke up and I was like, wait, no, she wasn't here for a long time. And that's uh -huh. when I started to kind of realize. Like, uh -huh. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. yeah, it's crazy how it affects you. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to explain. And so it's been like an issue even up until this year because I was dating somebody and, you know, it was just these issues that I don't even realize I had where he was like, um, you know, I don't want to be in a relationship. I really like you. But just hearing those words, I like went into total like shutdown mode. And all I could think of was my mom. Uh -huh. And like, I just like, and it was a whole thing. Uh -huh. it, was, it was good that it happened. Like I needed to have that happen. So I understood it. Uh -huh. But yeah. Yeah. It sounds like some good insight. It's kind of crazy yeah. how this shit pops up right. how this shit like is really ingrained into our relationships and our understanding of ourselves and how we react yeah and yeah all this stuff yeah mm -hmm. so when so you've kind of been in therapy your whole life so yeah <laughs> I mean I went to therapy when I was young um I will say this that the one good thing that came from that when I was young was that I don't even know well anyways they did like a IQ test or whatever for a little kid and so that made me get into like enrichment which was like the gifted program and okay. I will say that that was like the best thing I got from therapy because that was the only thing I had any kind of self-worth about like I hated myself and everything else of my life like hated myself and everything else in my life growing like in high school and elementary all adolescence but I at least had like that one thing so I'm not really sure if like the emotional like like if it, she was a great child psychologist, I'm not really sure if she helped me that way, but at mm -hmm. least I got this thing, this test so that so what was I that? could do this. Exactly. What was it? So it was called like enrichment okay. or like... It's the gift of Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Because I got tested for that, but my vocab was not up to their standards. Uh -huh. So they were like, no. <laughs> well, I think that's what it was for me was yeah. like, oh, I get to be in this club now that's or cool whatever, you it's know, good. but... I always say that, like, that's the only place that I ever had any kind of, like, self-esteem for good. myself was, yeah. like, there, because in every other domain, every other aspect of my life. But what would you life, do, like, okay, wait, so what would you do in the... In this class? Yeah. It was, like, we would, like, write plays the one time. Yeah, dude, it was, like, dope as fuck. Like, yeah. we got, I felt like an asshole because, like, the one thing is, like, we wrote a play and then we put it on for, like, the fifth grade class or whatever, and I felt like such a dick, like why do I get to like uh, go and do this and now we're doing this play but 
Yeah, we did that. We did like a thing on the stock market. I remember the one time. That's I don't awesome. know, like sixth grade. That's cool. Anyways, du- at least during like these developmental years. Yeah. These young years, like pre high school, pre ninth grade. Mm-hmm. At least I had like this little thing that was a good thing in my life. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, did you want to? You mentioned some of your other struggles before. Like to me, did you want to like touch on them now? Uh, well, yeah, sure. So I mean, I've struggled with. I mean, definitely. So you know, I think your mom dying young really kind of fucks you up for life. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I had um, so my one brother died before I was born. So I didn't know him, but that kind of like set the. Home. This is so strange, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I have a brother that died before. Really? I was born. <laughs> yeah, he was just a baby, but yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, but it does. It sets the tone. Yeah, so I yeah, think like yeah. you're welcomed into this world that's mm-hmm. already been grieving this family mm-hmm. sister. That's the family system that's already been grieving. So, I so he would have been my oldest brother, and then I have I had a twin. I have twin sister and brother, so they're twins together. Um, and they're 14 years older than me and had a different mom so they I wasn't really close with them so then my brother Justin he died when I was 17 um just kind of really tragically it was like really fucked up he had like this heart he was supposed to get married the next month and he had like this weird heart thing um and he just fucking died at 33 oh my god which is really crazy yeah Yeah, so my sister well she's my half sister but my sister who is his twin like god bless her because she already lost so she lost both her brothers um yeah so just like lots of death and grief in my family um so yeah my one best friend she overdosed and died when i when she was 19 when i was 19 she was 18 um and then my stepmom my dad remarried she died around that time too so like just lots of grief and um but because I think it's because of the very low self-esteem <laughs> and I had like really a really fucked up stepmom mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. this who was not a good human being at yeah. all. Um, I really learned how to cope in ways that were unhealthy and places that I felt accepted. So um, I really I got into drugs at a really, really young age, at a really young age. It was kind of funny because I think I was always searching outside of myself, like to of fill course. the void, you know. Of course. Uh, so I grew up kind of in I grew up in this Methodist church. My dad's best friend is a Methodist pastor. My dad's like not crazy religious. He's actually like very chill, very cool. But somehow I got like worked into this weird. Well, yeah, it was weird. Um, I would join like this Bible club in ninth grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade, and. Well, there's different facets of it, but it was really strange, um, and it was Pentecostal and charismatic, so I'm not sure if you're familiar I with that. No. So, like, speaking in tongues, oh, and, okay. like, okay. I went to this weird church that was in somebody's house in uh, upstate New York. So, I've always been, like, spiritually... Sp- I was gonna say, is this a spiritualist thing? Well, I was always, like, spiritually yeah. interested, like, looking for something, and I think it all comes back to trying to make meaning of, like, oh, everybody dies. And, right. like, I well, now know this yes. as a very young yeah. age. So, anyways, I got kind of wrapped up with that for a little while and got kind of addicted to the Bible and God. Um, I used to stand outside the Steamtown Mall with, like, a binder and, like, tell people they were going to hell. No way! Yeah, it was really... We went to this house, so Church of Biblical Understanding is this this church, church, um, and they would bring kids up from Philadelphia, so they had a church here and a church in Philadelphia, 
and they'd bring kids up here and we would go to this meet to like bible meeting or bible study whatever it was and it was near um regional hospital and it's like catty corner but it was this big house there's no furniture in it and like the girls and boys were separate it was just very weird and then we would go (laughs) so anyway so I would talk to my dad and I'd be like well I think like the holy ghost went through me today and my dad was like okay you can't go to this stuff anymore like he was was a little concerned he was getting and they kept telling me that my family is going to go to hell because I couldn't like convert them Mm -hmm. so I was like I'm not doing it. So I got out of it, and then to fill the void, I found marijuana, and then very quickly after, cocaine and heroin after that. Mm -hmm. So, um... How old were you? So I started doing coke when I was 15, and then heroin when I was 16, and then started using intravenously when I was 18. Oh, no. So, yeah, it's kind of like... It's crazy because I'm so far from it now, right, but right, it's just right. really wild how, like, th- how that experience and just addiction, how that is such, like, a part of who I am, mm-hmm. even though I stopped doing drugs and I got sober at 20, um, yeah. Awesome. So that was good. So I haven't done heroin or crack. That's um awesome or coke since then <laughs> so well wow um i know it's a lot i feel like i just like threw a lot of i'm just like trying to figure out the first place i want to go with it so when you that's crazy so was it people in high school that you met that like yeah you fell into and then yeah so yeah um Pretty much. I'm just trying to think back now. Yeah, I'm not even sure how. Somebody had, like, a hookup for Coke, Mm -hmm. I remember. That's just so wild. That's that's young. Yeah, it's so crazy. And I meet, like, 15-year-olds now, and I'm, like, or 16-year-olds now, and I'm, like... Well, I'm sure it... I mean, I know it's a thing, and I feel like I'm very naive, but, like, for me, I, like... I started drinking when I was 14, but mm-hmm. people look at me and they'll be like, you're 14, that's really young. So uh-huh. yeah. But I yeah, mean, for I sure. know people who are younger, so it happens. It's just wild. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, and I also grew up in a, I grew up in Clark Summit, so mm-hmm. I had, like, friends who were very affluent. Yeah. And one of my best friends, he recently passed away, R.I.P., Eric Durkin, um, he, he had a fucked up life both yeah. his parents died young he was left with a huge settlement so yeah. once he, he was a year older than me once he turned 18 he was getting these huge checks oh, yeah. and we were just i mean yeah. it was out to the races yeah. it was out to the races but yeah it was kind of a wild high school experience because i also i like was very good at until the end maintaining the separate life so i was like class president every year oh, okay. um okay. like on the homecoming yeah. court all yeah. of this shit and oh, then yeah. Um, by senior year, me and my other friend, Sam, we were voted most changed since freshman year, okay, which was well, funny because uh, we were kind of fucked yeah. up. Our pictures are missing from uh, the yearbook because we did not go to school uh, very often. Did people know? Uh, yeah, by the end, people knew. I yeah. I had gotten arrested um, when I was 18, so I was still a senior in high school, so I ended yeah. up in Lackawanna County Prison. Wow. Which was a unique experience in its own. I would say. How long were you there for? So a total of about two months. But so I was like in and out for a while. So I 
was in and out for mm-hmm. about those two years, about so, 18 to 20. So you said that you, that it's still like a part of your life now, even though you're far for sure. from it. So how do you, what do you mean by that? Because I am a fucking addict. Like yeah, I can get like... addicted to anything, mm-hmm. to anything. And I think I, it's just, so I want what I want when I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is not always great. I'm not the best at delaying gratification mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, well, part of the addiction, which I don't have now, thank God, was from just a huge amount of self-loathing of just literally just, you know, just fucking hating yourself, just yeah. wanting to die and hating yourself. So if I could just at least take this drug and get out of myself, then right. that's good enough. Then Absolutely. that's good enough. So at least I don't have that. I don't yeah. have I don't have this self lo- this deep self loathing at all. In fact, I have the opposite, which is an amazing thing to finally have. Right. You know, maybe some sense of self love. But yeah, yeah, I can get addicted to uh, exercise, to eating right, to to meditation, to taking to drinking kava tea. Mm-hmm. at night I can get preoccupied like oh I can't wait to go home and drink my kava tea like Chelsea yeah. calm down <laughs> yeah know. yeah so what do you do to kind of manage it well if I don't have the awareness that it's there then it runs its course mm-hmm. then it runs its course and there's times that I'll turn a blind eye that I'll recognize like oh you're being kind of unhealthy right now you're maybe taking drinking too much kava tea or maybe you are fantasizing about you know, you're beginning preoccupied with doing yoga or going to the gym or whatever. And if I, sometimes I'll like, no, it's okay. I I don't need to, I don't need to manage it. It could just go. But when it does that, it literally ruins my life. Like I cancel plans with my friends. I start to hate myself again. Mm -hmm. I'm never reaching the goal that I want. I'm never getting to the place that I want. But if I have the awareness, like, oh yeah, Chelsea, check yourself. Like you're kind of being an addict right now. Mm -hmm. Um, even like with, I had to put, uh, I put a timer on my, on my, uh, social media because social media, 900% can get addicted to social media, 900%. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing too, is that I think, I don't think that I'm unique. I mean, I guess that I am by, by being a young heroin addict, but I think that a lot of people are, uh, if people had the opportunities that I had, I think that there are, I think addiction is a bigger a bigger thing than people recognize. I think addiction is a bigger thing than people recognize. And whether it's like social media or working Mm -hmm. or exercising or or drinking or porn. Because that's what everyone keeps talking to me about. I'm telling you. Yeah, people reach out to me. They're like, you need to find someone to talk to you about it. About being addicted to porn? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Addicted to thinking? Yeah. Addicted to thinking? Addicted to those ruminating thoughts? Those anxious thoughts? Yeah. For yeah. sure, I can get addicted to all to people. Of you can get addicted uh-huh. to people. people. Yeah. That was it. That's like my not anymore, but was like my crutch For before sure. I realized that, and then I start to check myself. Well, then, so how would that? manifest for you Mm, I think it would be just like really paying attention to another person if I liked them so like I I was never I don't think I was ever like I I was never like a creepy for you know like anything I don't want to say that because I feel like saying this kind of sounds creepy but no it would just more be like if I was in a relationship like I guess more of a like codependency but to the point where like I would just I felt like if I didn't see them like I would 
nappy okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, like uh-huh. I needed to see them. I needed to uh-huh. see them when I wanted to see them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, your drug. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm so glad that that part of my life is That's over. Good. But yeah. it is hard, and even now uh-huh. it's like checking yourself. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. so what did you do to eventually get clean? Um, so I went to rehab. So I went, I've been, I was in rehab a ton. Um, I'm not even sure how many times. I think maybe five times between mm-hmm. Clearbrook and Choices. Um, but the last time I went was, um, I went to Clearbrook and then I went to a halfway house, Mountainside Estates. Uh, rest in peace. They just closed and they're actually an eating disorder facility now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was there, uh, I was on probation and they were like, well, you have to stay for like a long time. So I was there for the shortest amount of stay you could do was three months. And I think I stayed there for six months. Then I went to a sober house for, I think about six months, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and all the time I was still on probation, but I, that had given me enough clean time and I was like AA sober. So I'm not in the rooms anymore, but I do love AA a lot. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of good wisdom there. Uh, and I met a lot of people who changed my life, who I still hold on in my heart. Um, but so that's really what did it. And then I met a new group of friends. Then I met from being in the rooms, I met my friend Sophie. Shout out, shout out to Sophie, who I love her dearly, and um, she was uh, she's a little bit crazy as well. Um, I probably shouldn't have just broken her anonymity, but anyways, I'm I'm so I met my friend Sophie. So yeah. while in uh, while I was in the sober house trying to get sober, I met this girl Sophie, who I ended up really loving a lot, and she introduced me. She was a singer and has this beautiful voice, and she's like, "Oh, I play in a band." with these two guitarists, you should come and play piano with us. And that was like the coolest thing to me. I was like, oh my God, what? Because uh, the whole time too, like all I had was like, once I got to the halfway house, I had a keyboard. Um, so I dropped out of high school, mm-hmm. I should say. So, you dropped out? Yeah, oh, so <laughs> dropped out of Abington Heights, which was good. I got a 31-year-old boyfriend when wow. I was 18, which was a great decision. Wow. Um, but that time I didn't have any, I didn't have a keyboard. So. I should say this. My dad started giving me piano lessons right after my mom died. So I had this attachment, I think, to piano all my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved my piano teacher. I loved her. I still love her a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, so I didn't have any kind of... I All I was doing was getting high. All I was doing was thinking about getting high and getting high. Um, so once I got to the halfway house, I was able to get a little keyboard and I started to play piano again. And that was really... I think that was like the ticket for me. I think yeah. that was the ticket. So anyways, fast forward, my friend Sophie introduced me to who is now my fiance. And then um, my band member, Dan, who I've been playing music with now for like 10 nice. years. But yeah, it was, I mean, that's what I needed. I needed to get out of the environment and see like a whole new world that I didn't yeah. realize even existed before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so hard. It's funny. This are now, anytime. Uh-huh. So congratulations. Uh-huh. Like, amazing for you. Oh, yeah. Do you ever, like, I, I want to ask, and I don't know if this is the right thing to ask a heroin addict, so if it's not, tell me. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, do you ever think about getting high, like, now? Uh, not, I mean, once in a while the thought will go through my mind. Yeah. And I'll be like, that's really wild. Like, yeah. that's really wild. Like, and... No, but I will get kind of not, I don't want to say triggered, but 
so heroin comes in like little white bags uh Uh, they're like little uh, wax baggies so sometimes like if i will see them especially my first years off of getting heroin if i would see them on the street i would just like be in shell shock and i do think it was ptsd then 900 yeah and because of all of the experiences that happened during my addiction Mm -hmm. that weren't i mean Mm -hmm. i'm sure just gonna come from it you know like i really do believe now i mean I don't have a diagnosis of PTSD, but I feel very, I mean, I never went for any kind of anything after that, but given the things that you've been through, I don't know how. Yeah. 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 I definitely have the avoid, had the avoidance and hypervigilance, uh, but now I don't have it, but yeah, I mean, for sure, even stuff, I'll smell something. So I was, uh, (laughs) doing like crack for a little while as well and like shooting crack, but sometimes I would like smell something and it would smell like crack to me and I'd be like, Well, what is that? Yeah. Huh? Well, of course. I mean, it would be like me smelling marijuana. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. I, yeah, I mean, and also for me, I was addicted to cigarettes, which is different, but I'm not anymore, and then I will have moments where it's just like a split thing, like I'm like, oh, I wish I could just have uh-huh. a cigarette right now, but uh-huh. I don't actually want a cigarette, you know uh-huh. what I mean? So I think, yeah, those thoughts always uh-huh. kind of come. For sure, yeah. yeah. And it's probably, too, I think now that I'm thinking about it and just reflecting on it, I think it's probably in those moments that I'm not in check Mm-hmm. in general when I don't have awareness in general that I am just kind of on autopilot and doing whatever feels good whether it is like eating a, a bucket of ice cream or mm-hmm. like been watching television or just sleeping I think that that's when this the creeping thoughts come in of like fill the void feel the void yeah you know? you're right yeah I get it with eating disorder stuff too like that mm-hmm. is something that I, and what you said before where you're like I kind of know it's happening but I'm like yep I I do it all the time like I'm like and then I remember telling Jess not too long ago I'm like uh, and that was a hard conversation to have but me to tell Jess who's my best friend like it's hard to be like I was saying I was like I think the eating disorder stuff is coming back and that's so hard to say to somebody Uh but the minute I said it it was like good like Mm -hmm. I was like oh that was me checking myself yeah and then I was able to kind of get back on track for sure yeah yeah. I definitely struggled in my life too with restricting Mm -hmm. and all of that shit and that is something as well thank god for my fiance like Mm -hmm. i've been with him for a very long time that might have something to do with my attachments no it's actually because i love i love (laughs) him but i'm just thinking about it now a lot but um like he's somebody who i can trust and be like whoa i'm being like way unhealthy or i'm like really obsessing about like eating this ice cream and I'm like hating myself in my head right, right now. Right. You know. Yeah. And, and he, he kind of, he can help you. Like, yeah. And I think just the fact that he's there, yeah. you know, it's just a helpful, like that there's another helpful, there's a human being who like doesn't want me to be in pain. Yeah. Who doesn't want me to hurt myself, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. like love saves everything. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. It's well, okay, so at this point, I guess we'll get into the questions, if uh-huh. that's okay. Um, what advice do you have for those that are in the thick of addiction? So people who are uh, not, like, who are still in it very much. Oh, go to rehab. Go yeah. to rehab. Try to get some time away from the substance to get some clarity. Tell somebody you love that you're struggling. Tell somebody that you love that you're struggling and that you need help. And even, even if it's just a... See, it's so hard. I don't, so I don't, I don't like to work with people in addiction, like Mm -hmm. as 
patience because addiction is so hard. And you know, in AA, they say that jails, institutions, or death, and often those are the bottoms people have to people have to hit. Um, but I would say if that thought, if you have one second in your mind, that's like, I could probably call just believe right now and get into rehab, then do it. Take that, take that. That's, that's, that's God in you. That's your intuition in you. That's you trying to save yourself. Take that, take that, hold on to that. And so did you have to do that? Like, did you have that moment? No, I was forced into it. Yeah, I was forced into it, but because of jails and institutions, and I'm, you know what, my while I was getting sober, and while I was in the sober house, I got the call that my uh, one best friend died of an overdose. So I think that was also, uh, I think just even reflecting on that, somebody who's addicted right now, you know, like get some clarity and there are ways to get high I mean that's all we I love to get high I love to get high I just get high on things like yoga now or meditation like that's that's how I get high now and so trying to find that and the good thing about that is I can do it all the time right I can do it in every moment if I'm practicing um to get to that other state of mind so there are other ways to get high uh without heroin or coke and Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. um what do you what do you think is the why do you think like what it's so complicated. But I read a book recently. Well, I, I'm not going to say I read a book. I read half of a book because it was so depressing oh. that I had to put it down. And what is the name of it? It's about the heroin epidemic. And it's very extremely interesting um, because there is like a perfect storm and there were like three things that they say contributed to it. Mm. Um, it was the pharmaceuticals pushing it. Um, it was doctors prescribing it. And this part is very interesting, and I did not consider this. But this, the drug was, um, as far as at least, heroin's different. See, I don't know, like, a lot about drugs. But I'm, th- I'm talking about, like, pharmaceutical, like, Percocet uh-huh. and stuff. But they, this was so interesting to me. They, it started in Appalachia in very um, poor communities. And people who were prescribed it, um, for surgeries and had it left over, realized that they could make money that they didn't have oh. by selling uh-huh. it. So then all of a sudden you have like neighbors that have their own incentives uh-huh. to get rid of their medicine uh-huh. for themselves. Yeah, and that's, that's where really... that was like pushed uh-huh. to. That makes so a lot I thought that was like a different perspective. Mm. And I guess like for me, I know it's like different. It wasn't like prescription and I, you said you did cocaine first, but mm-hmm. like, do you think that it was like a pressure or do you think that you were reaching for something and that's what you found? I was totally, for myself, yeah. just because of this, where I was already at going into it, I know for myself that I was just trying to be anything but myself. Mm-hmm. I just trying to feel good in myself, feel mm-hmm. good in myself. So for me, that's where, for where it happened. But I hear tons of stories of the same thing like I went in for a back operation and now I'm on heroin like and that's how it happens for sure um yeah yeah yeah. how do you come to terms with it come to terms with addiction yeah like as in general like just like you you said you lost people oh yeah you lost yourself for a few years yeah I well yeah I hate heroin I hate heroin a lot I hate heroin a lot and 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that there is still a part of me that struggles with the acceptance of, you know, I, I still can do this in my mind, Monica. I can still, like, think, like, well, Charles, if you didn't fuck up your life when you were 18, if you had went to and all these grandiose plans of going to the new school and I was going to do this thing. And instead, like my life was completely different. Mm -hmm. Like if I would have told 12 year old Chelsea, like you will still be in Scranton at 32. I probably would have like killed myself. Like (laughs) that was such a depressing thought to me, like such a depressing thought. Um, so, but I mean, also I guess for myself, like that's where post-traumatic growth comes in that I can make meaning and be grateful for the experience but in general yeah I hate heroin and I think New York Times had a great article last year about um, the opioid epidemic and heroin and the idea that people are addicted it's a downer it's a downer people are fucking depressed like people are not doing heroin and going out partying Mm -hmm. like that's not what you do Mm -hmm. like you stay in your room alone and like Uh, nod the fuck out like I think you're in it I think the world I think culturally socially we're at a different time than like when coke was a big thing like I don't think people are in the up and up anymore I think like depression is a bigger thing and I think people are more going towards these things like Percocet, Vicodin, heroin, whatever it is because we're already low here right wow I never thought of that yeah the new yeah that's the New York Times did a great great article and that kind of made me think and I was like that makes so much sense because that was my thing like coke wasn't my thing being on up and up was not my thing like Mm -hmm. i always just wanted to get out of myself yeah well i think it's amazing that you stayed clean so oh yeah thank you so what what was that rate like i know you said you went to rehab and like you Mm -hmm. explained that part of it but i guess what you said so you dropped out of high school so mm-hmm. then at, so how did you wind up being and uh, having a master's and oh uh, i got my gd yeah and when? Um, i was still getting i think 19 okay i think 19 um and then i went into college at marywood at like 20 or mm-hmm. 21 like okay. i had just getting my shit together and it's so funny i reflect on this now like i thought i was so old like, i don't know well you, you lived like, like a life you lived like so a full life yeah. um yeah but i will say this the one thing that also got me is there's um a term in aa that i still use today and this is a big determinant of my this is probably the biggest determinant of my happiness and my mental health is if I'm spiritually fit or not, if I'm spiritually fit or not. And I love the term spiritually fit. Um, and so that was kind of the thing because I was having experiences sober that I never had before, like connection with people or like being able to laugh without drugs or just being able to laugh in general. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's all lined into like how I understand God, the universe, whatever you call it, the source, yeah. the Tao, whatever. So do you want to talk a little bit about, like, what's your... Okay. So I, I have this theory in my head about trauma and what I understand as, like, my own spirituality and my own experience of God and whatever. However, God... So I, I talked to say a lot about this because his mom died recently. They were very, very close. Uh, like, the closest mother-son relationship I've ever seen in my life um and she died pretty unexpectedly and so he has been struggling with grief and death and like god and at that time I was really getting into like my place with like feeling the universe understand like seeing god everywhere I looked um 
And so I would talk to him about it and he said like, well, you know, Chelsea, whenever you say God, like, I just think of like this old guy, like he comes into my mind and he's pointing a finger angrily at me and telling me what I am doing wrong. And he grew up like Catholic mm -hmm. in the Catholic church mm -hmm. and just has that like association, that immediate association with God of like this, like mean judgmental yeah. presence which for me, I'm grateful I don't have that. And yeah, had, because like, it creates fear. For sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can't, then you're just living your life that way. Yeah. Um, but I think when people experience trauma, is that you, your reality is ripped apart then. Your reality, you never thought that your mom was going to leave. You never thought your mom was going to, well, you didn't know your mom was going to die, right? Or you didn't know your best friend was going to die. Or you didn't know you were going to be molested. Or you didn't yeah. know that you were going to be assaulted. Or whatever is happening. So now you're in this new world after this experience that just came out of nowhere. And now you're in this new world and you have to under, you have to figure out how to process it and see it. And I do believe that, like, akin to, like... The first thing that's coming to my mind is like akin to like kundalini, like mm -hmm. raising your kundalini, like opening awareness, like having a, a new awareness of life. Like this is what happens. People die or people get molested or I froze up when I got raped or whatever it was. Like whatever, whatever new profound understanding you have in your head, I think that that opens up a new awareness. Mm -hmm. And the more that you cultivate a bigger and greater awareness the the more god or spiritual things can happen into your life spiritual things can happen into your life so whether it's like synchronicities like i never hear the name monica <laughs> until you asked me to do this right. and then i had um and then i had two experiences random experiences this morning with monica's yeah, that's like so it was just kind of weird so I, I mean it, it's the meaning that you put on it it's the meaning that you put on it but i think that you're more in tune with the universe with the world and all the craziness that happens because of that that new this new place in your mind because of what you've experienced that you can either fight against it and get stuck in ptsd or addiction or whatever or you can accept it and allow that to open up a new awareness, new understanding mm -hmm. of life and people and things. So, um, you know, I, even the idea, I mean, this is how I take in spirituality and, and take in things like we are, the idea, right, you know, that we are all one, that we are all one. So on whatever kind of degree that you understand that, that, you know, you breathing out, I'm going to breathe in your exhale, right? Right in this moment. Right. And we're here together as one in this moment. And really we're existing together in this space as one moment. And I think, so I think even listeners listening to that are going to have all different levels of understanding that depending on where their awareness yes. already is, which mm -hmm. I think in itself is spirituality in itself mm -hmm. is God. So I think it's, so for me, um, an another place that I see God is like for myself is when I get those profound insights, when I get profound insights into myself, like, oh yeah, Chelsea, like you are like having crazy anxiety right now because of whatever, because of whatever, because somebody said something to you a while, a long time ago, or whatever it is, but it's those, those, those sparks of insight that I think open up our awareness, help yeah. cultivate a greater awareness, and then that is where we see God, so... Mm -hmm. I, once I started, I was just having this conversation, but once I started meditating, I, like, was, like, kind of freaked out. I was like, am I in a psychosis? Mm -hmm. Like, am I in a psychosis? Because do other people see, like, 
the trees, how they always, like, do people see the trees all the time like this? Mm -hmm. Have they been seeing the trees all the time like this? Because I am seeing the trees now in a whole new way, in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, I'm losing my fucking mind. I'm losing my mind. But then I realized, like, no, this is, like, the beautiful gift that I can experience. Like, now I can see, before I would look at the trees and not even think anything. Now I can look at the trees and have, like, a profound experience of beauty, love, understanding, connectedness to everything. It's beautiful. And that, to me, is God. So that's, to me, like, getting more of these, more of this type of experiences. And I told you that I was, you know, involved in kind of those crazy churches, but, so when I was 14, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So... I don't know if listeners will know what this is, but it's um, not like a Catholic baptism or any other kind. It's not a water baptism. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is what came down um, to Paul, I think, and gave all of the people in the book of Acts, like all of these gifts. So the speaking of tongues, the healing. So that's the Holy Spirit. So, uh, So I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and it was the craziest thing I had experienced at that point. So... Everybody was in a dark room, everybody standing around in a circle praying and speaking and people were speaking in tongues and I got pulled into the center and the pastor started praying and he said, you know, I'm going to baptize you now in the Holy Spirit, you'll accept God, the Holy Spirit into yourself. As soon as he laid his hands on me, I fell automatically to the ground and just like started weeping and I did not do that. Mm -hmm. Like I did not do that. So I don't know if it, so, but now further, further, further removed from it, I've had that same feeling in yoga. I've had that same, I've had times when I was, remember when I was first trying to get into a crow posture and, or just into a flow, and I recognized that I was in crow, that I was like flying in crow. And it was the same feeling, like not having any control. And now all of a sudden I'm in this weird space with this weird feeling that I'm not totally in control. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had that to different varying degrees since in things like meditating or getting to the point of like in my backyard in the summer and just like being overcome by the beauty of the sky yes. and you can't I can't I'm paralyzed in that beauty paralyzed and in you that don't beauty. even need a drug and it's not a drug it's yeah. nothing but for me that is God those yeah, are the experience of I God know, I know uh, I feel that I feel that and I have I feel intuition like deep intuition 100% and like it, this, even this year, like it was like times where I was gonna blow off certain things, and then in my head, like there was a voice that was just like, "No, you need to go there. Like, you need to go." Yeah. And I'd always meet somebody there that I needed to meet, and like met like twice. I like know two people that I'm like, "Oh my lord, I wanted to ditch out on this, and you have yes, both changed my uh, life." But it was that feeling inside, like that voice, and yes. it was like, "You need to go," or it tells me when I'm not supposed yes. to do things. Yes. Yeah. So. And I think that comes from knowing your intuition. I think that comes from doing the work. From doing mm-hmm. the work, either meditating or doing whatever self work that you're doing, to even know what your intuition is saying, to even right. get to know what that person is, who yeah. that version is. EMDR. Oh, yeah. I mean, even that is all how oh, our yeah. brain and our eyes are connected, and what is going on up in here. EMDR is insane. Yeah, that word has worked wonders for me. I I've never done it. Um, yeah, I, I am very interested in it, and I have a friend um, where I work, and she is trained in EMDR, and mm-hmm. it just sounds it's like a breakthrough. Like, in under 20 minutes, I have been able to reprocess things I had been in therapy for 10 years for. Yeah. It's just so, yes. it's amazing. Yes. It's crazy how it works, and it's so, um, 
it's so I guess like for people listening, EDMR is uh, eye movement desensitization. I can't say the word reprocessing. Okay, so do you do you want to explain it? I don't really know. I know it's about just how yeah. So the idea, yeah. So the idea is that uh, that. trauma gets stuck in the back of your head and like I don't know what part of your brain your mm-hmm. amygdala yeah amygdala uh-huh. yeah so it gets stuck there and uh, in order to get it out you have to engage both sides of the yeah. brain uh-huh. so you could either do tapping well I did tapping at one point mm-hmm. or I had like clickers or mm-hmm. you can follow your therapist's eyes like mm-hmm. um uh high like being almost not you're not being um hypnotized yeah uh-huh. you're not being that but it's like that movement uh-huh. and then she'll just ask like uh you know you'll come up with your negative beliefs about yourself and after a specific incident and then she'll take you through the incident and then you just keep going until you like reprocess it okay. and then all of a sudden like you okay. have a new Move belief in yourself and you change the bad with the good and you're like all right ready to go uh-huh. like i don't know what happened uh-huh. it's insane yeah it's crazy it's cool yeah. There's a lot of, it makes me upset too, because there's a lot of talk in like the psychologist community that is like discrediting EMDR because I think people are getting worried that like, oh, this new thing is really helping people very quickly, Mm, very quickly. And I think people, that's like pushing people back in the old school way of like psychoanalysis. I think that's really like pushing people back. That's a shame. But I hear great things about a lot of people. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and I know insurance doesn't like to cover it Uh either. Yeah, but it's hard to get it. So, yeah, I do recommend that. Um, Okay, well, do you want to... I'm trying to think if I had any other questions to ask you about that, but I guess we can ask one of your questions. Yeah, okay, well, my question is a spiritual question. So, like, how do you see God in your life? How do you see God in your everyday life? Whatever that means to you, whether it's the universe or the source or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I, I think I have conversations with God and, um, I think that I recently, like, because, um, as I was telling you a little bit about my spiritual awakening, um, but I feel like I had a, was able to heal myself based on wisdom from God, uh-huh. uh, which is like something I wouldn't have even said, like, five months ago yeah and so then I um you know I for me it was a lot of like balancing my chakras and forgiving people and forgiving myself Mm -hmm. and this was all just through meditation and these like quote-unquote talks with God Uh and then all of a sudden like within a week's period it was like I had healed things that I had not even known and I remember going into therapy the next week and my therapist just being like what happened and I'm like I don't know like it's a good thing but yeah it's wild so um for me like I just think that God is honestly in every one of us and I think it has to do with our subconscious and it ha- mm-hmm. and it has to do with that um gut feeling that we all get. I think that in our society um we all like have God in us but we just either access it or we don't. Mm-hmm. Um and some people get message I don't know. That's a little bit like mm-hmm. I'm a little bit confused but I just do think it's like in every I just feel like God is in every one of us, and it's really love, and for me, like, an absence of fear. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I know that I, when I first, like, reached out to you about this, or, like, talked to you about Mm -hmm. this, that I mentioned something about flow and flow states, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's, like, a way that we all can access this kind of no fear, like, 
and I, I wanted to ask you about this too. Like for me, I can, I can get into flow state. So the state, the psychological state that, I mean, you can get it into meditating. Oh, you'll like this too. Judston Brewer, um, he wrote this book called, oh God, uh, The Craving Mind. Okay. And it was about addiction. Judson Brewer, he's like this neuropsychologist and or neural, neural doctor. Neurologist, Neurologist um, yeah. <laughs> but he wrote this, he has a bunch of great books, he's a meditator, and um, he wrote this book about addiction and meditating, yeah. and the one chapter was on flow and flow states, and people being able to get to that flow state yeah. where you're just in the moment, and um, nothing, time goes by, like, if I'm really in it, and when I'm playing piano, um, or like if I'm playing with, uh, right now, like in great wave, we'll be like working on a song or just like, I hate the word jamming, but like jamming. <laughs> um, and I can, we're all like in this weird realm and then all of a sudden we'll be done and like, I can feel like the electricity go off of me. Like, yes. and I can see it. Like if I look over to my friend Charles and like, we both like, we'll just start laughing or can't like, yeah. cause it's some weird thing just happened to right. all of us together. So I think that for me, that's God. For me, that's like mm. accessing God. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you get there through like mm -hmm. poetry mm -hmm. and through art, like. Yeah, I was just actually thinking that. Um, well, for me, sometimes with these poems that I write, I will have just meditated and it'll just come to me. And then I, I feel like you said before, where I'm accessing something else. Yes. Like I'm channeling yes. something. And, and I've had like the whole conversation with God of like the greater good. And so yes. for me, honestly, it's terrifying for me to share shit. I mm. share poems so much that pe I imagine people on the other end are like, oh, this girl has no fear. No. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. no. I literally, poor Jess, and I think before I found God, like uh -huh. I think that I was channeling God, but I just didn't know it. Didn't but I would, I would be so self-conscious every time I posted something, it would be like a... 45 minute conversation of just trying to calm me down and be like you're fine but I came to this point where I think through like talking to God um I realized like this one rule which is just as it is the message more important than your ego and mm. it's like usually a yes and so I always try to like see like is the is this something other people are going to get something out of is it something that's going to embarrass me by sharing? Probably. But it's better that somebody gets uh -huh. something out of it uh -huh. than for me to, like, keep it to myself based on my yes. own fears. And I think that's God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's, like, really coming in to check with your ego and um, realizing. And I think he's taught me a lot about, like, unconditional love. And, like, I have problems, like I said, with attachment. And so... Um, there are times where people, I want to push them out of my life and I will try to have, make that happen and he'll come to me and be like, you can't, this person is for you for a reason, uh -huh. find a way to get rid of whatever angstiness you have uh -huh. in you right now. Uh -huh. And I always find that like when the time comes to deal with that person, it's easy for me then. Yeah. Like it's like, okay, uh -huh. I know that they're supposed to be here. I know that this is right. Like I'm not going to get caught in my trauma right now. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That trust. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. learning to trust. Yeah. yeah. To trust Which I don't others. think I would have ever gotten without the help of God. Uh huh. Because uh -huh. I wouldn't have. Because with all of my trauma, there was no trust. Uh huh. In me. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. I think that. I mean that. That makes sense. And again, like we were saying before, like how trauma really and and it does too. Trauma rewires your mm -hmm. brain. It rewires your brain. Um, but for sure, I think that flow state. 
is like such an important place and I love that the idea of like the greater good because that just makes me think too like oh yeah okay so she shares a poem and then somebody maybe like maybe I read the poem and maybe I connect to it and mm -hmm. in my own flow state and my own connection with God by reading your poem and then maybe when I'm done reading the poem maybe I am treating my partner in a different way yeah. than I would have before and just even that ripple effect right yeah yeah and I think I think um I see that in a lot of more people and I feel like I really do feel like when you talk about synchronicities, mm -hmm. I have been having more of these conversations in the last, uh -huh. like, month than I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. Which, of course, like, obviously I'm interested in it, so uh -huh. I'm bringing it up. But even just this, like, okay. I didn't know that we were going to be speaking uh -huh. about this, you know? Uh -huh. So it's just, it's wild. It's yeah, wild. it's it freaks me out sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, it freaks me out when I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm on the right path. I like, know. you can't stop I know. freaking me out with this song or this, right. like, random person the I haven't songs, seen or whatever. Like uh -huh. the, um, the posts uh -huh. that you yeah. get, the numbers, uh -huh. I get the numbers. It's vile. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's cool, though. It's good. Uh -huh. It's, like, made me find a calmness that I didn't have. I think, and I think it, that helps with everything. I think, like, it helps with everything. Mm -hmm. Like, that calmness, whatever, my, I call it, like, my spiritual fitness. Like, that ripples through every other place in my life. So then I'm not, like, it's the anti, it's the anti-hatred. It's yeah. the anti-hatred. So do you ever find that there's times that you're, like, not spiritually fit? Uh, like, yeah, for sure. It? Yeah. I mean, and I can even tell, like, if I go, I try my best to meditate every day and mm -hmm. I mean that's a, an important part of my life but if I'm not meditating every day or this might be a better example too but whatever if I'm not meditating every day then I'm way I mean I drive so much for work that I mean that's just a good litmus test that if I'm like cursing about people on 81 and I hate being angry I don't like the feeling of being angry so mm -hmm. when I experience being angry that's when I'm like another kind Same of marker of like yeah look at yourself Charles what's going on oh yeah shit I haven't meditated in, in forever I haven't like talked to friends or done anything mm -hmm. all I've done is like eat and sleep in my bed like yeah that is not that is not living uh your path that right? makes sense. <laughs> so when did so did you come to how did you kind of come to God um if that's the way to say it I guess well I think just my whole life I've been really interested in God. Well, you said, yeah, you said I that think, you were outside the mall. Yeah, Marvel, so. I think my whole life I've just been really infatuated with God and the idea of, like, meaning-making, and I think it's very cool for myself to see, like, how my conceptualization of God has completely evolved. Like, I wish... So, I mean, this does make sense, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Like, I was just about to say, I wish there was another word, like, for God, because... When I say God, it's not the God that I thought existed when I was eight, not the God I thought existed mm -hmm. when I was 14, not the God that existed when I was even 25. Mm -hmm. I wish there was a different word for it, but I think that that is what is the profoundness, right? The, they say the the Tao that is can be named is not the Tao at all, right? Mm -hmm. The Jewish faith uses G hyphen D because God is bigger than this word, bigger than this conceptualization mm -hmm. of this word. Um, so yeah, I think I've always been like spiritually minded, but it wasn't until probably honestly grad school, I quit a job that was really toxic and I decided I'm going to grad school and going to not work for hotels or being a salesperson because yeah. I'm not good at sales at all. Um, and was way super depressed then. And, um, 
and everything just started to fall into place. I think it was just trusting for a long time, my whole life, everybody was like, Chelsea, you should just like be a therapist. Just go to school and be a therapist. And I always like fought it. Yeah. I always fought it. I was like, nobody's gonna, no, I'm not gonna do it. Your therapy doesn't work. I'm not gonna do it, right? And I always fought it. And now I just think like, man, if I just like rested into it, because I think in the back of my mind, I was always like, yeah, Chelsea, you probably should just be a therapist. <laughs> right? Yeah. It was that resistance. Yeah. I always think that, uh, you know, the resistance is like the fear of things. Uh -huh. And I feel like when I um, am not spiritually fit, to use uh -huh. a term, is when you feel a lot of that resistance. And I think when I feel yes. resistance is when I get irritated. Yes. So it's almost, it's like anything. It's like, um, when I say resistance, it's like hard to explain, but it's like that, like you said, that like pushing away, like, oh, I... I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not, like, I don't know. And then uh -huh. it creates this thing in you because you're like, no, I should be doing that. Uh -huh. Yeah. There, do you get down with Erica Badu? Who? Erica Badu. No, I don't, I've never heard. Okay. You will love Erica. I think okay. that you might love Erica Badu. I okay. love Erica Badu. So she's like this neo soul um, okay. singer, artist, and I love her. But um, her one song, Love, um, featuring a, a great beat by Jay Dilla. Um, yes is, or excuse me, no, dedicated to Jay Dilla, uh, is, she says she starts off, there are only two emotions, fear and love, and the idea mm -hmm. that we have these two, this spectrum, and we have love on the one side, and we have fear on the one side, and that we have the different frequencies of both, and that love, love operates on this higher frequency, and that fear operates on this lower frequency, so when we are fearful, we're at the lowest version of ourself, and that when we are in full of love, and all of the different emotions that come from love, then we are the highest version mm -hmm. of ourselves. Yeah. And I really kind of, I mean, there's, I, I concept, I, I hold this idea in my heart, like, okay, so if I'm angry right now, that means I'm on my fear side. What am I fearful right. of right now? Yes. And yes. if I'm like laughing at something, okay, well, where am I in love right now? Yes. Like even this moment, like being in love in this mm -hmm. moment with you, Monica, yeah. like to do and talk about this, this stuff that I'm passionate about that. I'm grateful to be in a room with somebody else who's passionate about right. this stuff and to really like celebrate that and that this is sure it's maybe fun and exciting, but ultimately it's, it's love. Yeah. Ultimately it's love. You're right. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, cre like what you just said is perfect because, um, when I was like with, the uh, like with the trauma of like my mom leaving and everything, I, uh, it's created a lot of fear in me around love. And mm -hmm. so I, it's not until recently when I just, you know, started having these conversations with God and like I, you know, I was dating somebody and I was pushing them away and pushing them away. And it's that fear that created that resistance and that anger. And I learned a lot about unconditional love, which is mm -hmm. not something that I even knew of before. Um, not that I, I knew the phrase and like I got it, but I didn't get it. And I guess... Um, one of the things I learned recently that was a huge breakthrough was just that I was getting so angry because if I loved somebody and they didn't love me back, then, like, that was fearful for me. Like, mm -hmm. I was so afraid that I was going to love somebody and they weren't going to love me back mm -hmm. that I would create, like, all of this resistance and anger and mm -hmm. irritability. So my frequency was way uh -huh. down and it was just uh -huh. fucking with every relationship I had uh -huh. because I was on a low frequency because uh -huh. I was afraid. Uh -huh. And then once I started 
they're realizing, no, like, you can love whoever you want to love, and, like, they don't have to love you back, but you don't have to be afraid of loving somebody and not having them love you back. It's just love. Right. And if, like, what you want in this life is, like, more love, then there's nothing to be afraid of from that. And that was a huge, huge journey. Uh That's profound. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm glad that you asked that question. (laughs) Well, this will be, like, a next one for you. What keeps you hanging on? Um, yeah, I guess, like... That? Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, like, I guess love. that Yeah, just, like, the experience, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. The experience of love. Because I, I am, like, a... I'm a junkie in, in just, like, feeling good. Like, mm-hmm. I just, like, can get a junkie, be a junkie for that. So, experiencing as much love and kindness and peace and calmness and whatever in my life like that yeah I want to accumulate those experiences so I think that's what gets me the as we hold it on so I did want to so you and Ed you guys can kind of talk about this stuff and you're on like the same page yeah you know it's so funny because like Ed is in he I mean we talk about it a lot and I think he was he was he was getting frustrated me for a while because I was like but God is everywhere. Like God is here right now. Right. And I, and he was kind of struggling with that, but it's so funny because like we will be, he's just like so, uh, in tune without like, he's just always been in tune. Like he's yeah. always been in tune and it, it, he's like this creative genius and he's just always been in tune. So he'll, we're always kind of like on the same page. Like I, we might be talking about, I might start be talking about something and then I think he's not understanding it, but he's like communicating back to me something different, but we're together. It's like the same, we're communicating together. So, um, you know, the one way we talk about it is like flow state or like God working through him, or he just put out this beautiful album that got him a nice opportunity. Like finally we've been praying, like not, I guess praying, yeah. um, like that something good would happen for Ed, you know, because yeah, he's like he's gone through a lot. very loved and he's very talented and, he's so talented and he's so good. So the fact that like some random band called him up out of nowhere to go on tour, like, mm-hmm. and that wouldn't have happened. Like I wish his mom was still here, but that wouldn't have happened if he didn't channel his grief in a healthy way. And like, literally like, yeah, yeah like, can you talk about that project? Yeah, you should have him on, like... Yeah, because I, I do... What was it? Was he So doing? he had... So he did this beautiful thing. Like, it, it's wild to me, but he asked... So he wrote these songs right after his mom died, all about grief, and then he put out this thing on social media and asked people to record in their voice recorder on his phone and then email him the answers to this four questions. The four questions he asked was, um, have you ever lost anybody... Um, have you ever lost anybody before? Uh, what is God or do you believe in God? What do you think God is? Where do you go after you die? And, uh, what is love? And so he got all of these, so he got 35 answers and he used everybody, all 35. He used, he went through all of these. Some of them were like 40 minutes long answers, um, and put them all into 
this album and it's like it's a fucking masterpiece it's like a math it's a work of art it's a masterpiece yeah. like i can't i still i love you ed if you listen to this and he knows this like i can't listen to the album because i just like break down we listen really? i listen we listened to it when he got the master back and then since i have not sat and listened through the album because it's too heavy for me yeah um but it was a it was so beautiful dude because people were like crying on these voice recordings and like he had to meticulously go through it and like pick out the certain parts that match the whatever and yeah. um and i was like worried for his mental health i was worried for his mental health at that time but there's people like saying like i've never even said this out loud yeah. i've never even talked about this before i've never processed or even thought about this before out loud and people like crying and like how That's meaningful amazing. that is and then he put out this fucking masterpiece that now more people will listen to and like it's kind of crazy like people will even like still like i went out he played in la and i flew out or we flew out to la and um and people like came up to him and were like i can't I, after the show and was like you know i've been listening to the album since i saw you guys were gonna play here and open for this band and like i've never had an album connect with me like this before so and i'm like ed he, you this do this you this do this thing this is needed. and this is god dude this yeah. is like love. and that was all him too it's it wasn't like a special him. like it was like he did all that work and all of it transformed something negative into something positive yeah, yeah for sure and that's post i mean i think that is like ptg post-traumatic growth i think yeah. that's like what it's about that I think that's really, what it's about. Really Can you explain flow a little bit? Because you've explained it. I don't think... Did we explain this on the... Did you explain uh, it for... You've explained it for me. So flow is like... So it's just a psychological state where you're like really in... So you're in the moment. So you're just really... It's not in... I mean, I guess it comes from like mindfulness or meditation mm. of Vipassana being in the moment. But like you're just doing the thing to do it. There's no... There's no goal of the thing. You're not writing the poem or I'm not playing the song to like finish the song and have people say like, good job, Chelsea. I'm just doing it to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's just full clarity. And it's like almost like I really do think it's probably I should look up studies if there's like an akin to like dissociation and flow, oh. uh, because I think that there's even times where it's like I'm not even my body. I'm not my body. I'm not myself. I'm just doing this thing. I'm just really in this mm -hmm. moment. And that book. Um, they did the study on minds of flow state and they, the, I mean, I don't know, but they found that musicians, rock climbers, and snowboarders Ooh, easily what? access flow, like have an easier time of accessing what? flow. And I think that makes sense because like, I'm assuming when you snowboard, you're probably just in it. Yay. I've never snowboarded before, yeah, but... Yeah, Well, there's a lot of thinking involved, but it's it becomes automatic. And yeah. I think that's the thing, is I think that there's, like, it's not really thinking, but it's enough that you need to pay attention or uh -huh. be present. Uh -huh. Because the yeah. minute that, like, you're not present snowboarding, you're going to fall. Yeah, for sure. But it also is, like, once you know how to do it, it's like riding a bike. Uh -huh. So it's like you're not thinking about it, but, uh -huh. like, at the same time, if you lose your focus, you're going to fall. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that's, sense. and that's what happens. Like, and I know for myself, like if I'm playing and then all of a sudden I have the thought, like, you're going to play a wrong note, bam, play the wrong note and mm. I am out of it. Then I'm going to be probably like an anxious mode yeah. or like in beat Chelsea up mode and try to find it. And nobody even might even know what's going on, yeah. but I could probably, I would guarantee, not guarantee, but I would think that there might be a shift that people might be aware of a shift in the playing when I'm out of flow. Mm -hmm. for sure 
Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I feel like you. I feel like you're right though. Like when you are thinking about it, is when you mess up. Yep. Uh huh. I think yeah. that's like what gets you out of bed. Mm-hmm. I think that's why like some people like in conversations even feel awkward because the minute you start thinking about like what's on my face, what <laughs> is like, do I have something on me? You know, the minute you start thinking that, it's like the conversation's like Done. derailed. Done. Yeah. So. Well, I think I have all my questions because you answered them with uh-huh. all of your answers. Do you have any questions? I had one more question okay. for you. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> um, because I think about this a lot. I think about, like, if I could go back in time, like, it's a whole other idea, a whole other thing, but, like, always just, like, convinced in my mind that I was, like, literally, I mean, up until maybe three years ago, like, convinced that I was probably in the top, like, ten ugliest human beings in the world, like, well, I, and just, like, how that affected my whole life, and, like, I would always be, like, if I was just pretty, all this would happen, like, if I could just be attractive, like, my beyond would make it, like, like, whatever, whatever, um, and so I recently was going back, and I watched, like, an old video of a fire with friends, and I saw myself, and I saw, I had no idea that I looked like that, like, I literally was, thought that I was like the most hideous person in the world. Oh, I thought you were going to say you looked at it and you realized that you're not. And so I looked at it and I was like, Chelsea, you were fine. You were cute. You Uh were fine. Like you were a nice girl. You weren't like hideous. Like, and I wish I could go back in time and hug my like 21 year old self, 22 year old self and say like, sweet baby Chelsea, like you are totally okay. So if you could go back in time to like wherever, whatever spot of Monica, like whatever, a a deep, dark place of Monica, a low frequency Monica, like what would you say to yourself? For sure. Well, first I want to say that like there have been more times in this conversation where I've like been like, wow, Chelsea's really beautiful in my (laughs) head. And that's not a lie. That's not to make you feel better. But I... I want to say that definitely you speaking about things that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and like just like your energy. Uh-huh. So, yeah, please don't ever worry about that. I know you, you uh-huh. said like you're past that, uh-huh. but please just know that you're a very beautiful person. I will say this, that you did like, Monica, you changed, you helped me get to an insight of myself because the one time like on Facebook or some shit, you posted something that was like, you posted something that was like Chelsea's... I saw Chelsea and I thought she was cool or like I, yeah. the first time I met Chelsea was at an open mic and I thought like it was some positive thing about myself and literally I had an insight that was like oh holy shit like maybe everybody doesn't see me the way I am like maybe I am a version of myself to people that I don't know of myself mm-hmm. and that literally like will stick in my brain Monica once again like that's awesome you, that like, makes me happy rippling through yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I am glad to hear that. And, yeah, I think it's always the um, how we see ourselves. And so um, I think that for me, um, it's like I've always been, um, like, so sensitive. And so, like, all, like, I've always been, like, the cry. Like, I don't even want to say the cry baby, but, like, I just can't. When I get angry, I cry. When I get, like, overwhelmed, I cry. So, like throughout high school or like even like elementary and then college like it's just hard because nobody like wants the person who cries all the time you know so I've always been like really worried about how my emotions are I have a lot of emotions I didn't always know how to control them and I would be embarrassed by that so um I think that now I've found a way to really harness my emotions and I like it and I don't have any problems with it and I'm happy that I am who I am and um I think that there have been times where you know I've been 
um, made fun of for being, like, super emotional or, mm. like, crying in public or just stuff like that. And I wish that I could go back and be like, it's okay that you feel oh. that way. Like, you're just feeling what, like, normal people are feeling, uh-huh. you know? And so, like, yeah, I think that would definitely be the, the uh-huh. you know, it's okay to feel yeah. the way that you're feeling. And I, now I'm in different positions where I see other people have those reactions, and they're freaking out, and I feel like now I can go to them and be like, it's okay, uh-huh. like, it's okay that you have normal emotions. And so I try to, like, use that, like, calming my inner child. Like, I try to use it in other ways, too, mm-hmm. of being like, okay, then that's how that person feels, so how can I help them? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm so happy with this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm kind of passionate about yeah. it. I think what you're doing is a good, important thing. I think all of the things you do are good and important. Yeah, same yeah. to you. Okay. Do you have thanks. anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I think that's I know, okay. I think we covered yeah, it all. So, well, thank yeah. you, Chelsea. I hope you yeah, have a great week. Yeah, thank you. You too. Uh-huh. Thank you. This week's recommendation is an album by Rainbow Kitten Surprise uh, called RKS. I cried to this album. I've listened to it one million times probably. And I can tell you that it explains modern relationships and addiction, in my opinion, in a very candid and relatable way. So... I recommend that. Um, That's it for the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a bit longer today, so if you're still with me, I definitely appreciate it. The music in the beginning and end of the album, or I'm sorry, the podcast is by Joe Burke. Stream his music anywhere or buy his album, Mystics, immediately, one of my favorite albums ever. Um, I do want to say thank you to uh, Todd Morgans. We actually received uh, our first sponsorship on the show by a listener, Todd Morgans. So I am very, very grateful for that. I was able to get a better system for editing and another mic with his donations. So I am very, very grateful. Thank you so much. If you're interested in being on the show, please reach out to me either through Facebook or email at howwegetby.podcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in making a one-time donation so I can continue to upgrade equipment and travel to um, extend my reach to interviewees outside of Scranton, please let me know. It is always so grateful. I am so grateful for that. And... And I did receive news this week that I the podcast was nominated for Best Podcaster. Uh, thank you to whoever nominated me and the podcast. It's on accessnepa.com. I will put the link in the bio. Uh, if you go under the Superstars tab and then scroll down to Local Podcaster, you can uh, vote for me or the show. So... If you were so inclined to do that, I would absolutely appreciate it. And I am so grateful for whoever nominated the show. Thank you. 
I am beyond grateful for every conversation, every listener, everything so far that has come out of this podcast has been beautiful. So, thank you. Other than that, I think that that is it. I will see you next time. Mm -hmm.